Well, good morning, everyone, um, and welcome here to The Well for our final session um, in our series called Healing Hurts. Um, and Ed, what we're going to be discussing today is based on the video that we just saw and the gospel we read today in the Divine Liturgy, um, which is The Man Born Blind. But before we get into that, I kind of just want to recap, um, since this is the final session, just quickly what we've been discussing over the past uh, few weeks. So a long, 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 long time ago in week one, okay, which seems like forever ago, um, we talked about the journey of Lent. And we said Lent isn't just like a season in the church that we go through and, and we just, you know, how do we get through Lent as fast as possible and as painless as possible? But it's a journey for healing. Um, and in that first week, we talked about um, how we are healed and we need to like set goals and really have a plan, like a purpose, be intentional about our journey for Lent. Then the second week, we talked about in order to start our journey, our journey starts with humility. We can't go anywhere without humility. And we said humility is knowing who we truly are that we are both sinners and children of God at the same time, and that we're not the physician, we're only the patient. And then we talked about honesty, and we talked about the prodigal son, how he came to himself, okay? And then we went to the Samaritan woman, we saw her repentance, how she changed completely. And then last week, we talked about grace, okay? And grace is the power of God. And the power of God, the power of God, the power of God in our lives is so great and so powerful, but there is an hour component. We have to do something. So we talked about humility, talked about honesty, talked about repentance, talked about grace. Is there anything left to talk about? I was kind of wrestling with this as I'm, I'm preparing for, for the well. Is there anything left to talk about? I think there's one more thing. I think there's one more thing. And we're going to read together just a short part of the passage, not the whole passage because it's kind of long, um, about the man born blind. And we're going to notice a specific virtue um, that we're going to discuss today. And I think this virtue is kind of the culmination. It's what we're going off with um, in our journey to, to Lent, to healing. Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me. We're not going to talk about this part of today. This is like its own like uh, talk on its own. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. So he went and washed and came back seeing. This is a story we've all heard before, and it's a story that we just watched uh, the, the video about right now. Um, do you ever think to yourself, as I'm rereading this now, how strange of a story this is? This is kind of a weird story. It's not ordinary. Think about it. There's a man born blind. He's just sitting there. He's a beggar, as we learn later. The man born blind is a beggar. He's just sitting there. And then Jesus sees the man. Him and the disciples have this conversation. He sees the man, and the only thing he does is he goes up to the man, doesn't say anything. He doesn't say, I'm about to heal you. He doesn't really introduce himself. He spits, makes clay, puts it on the guy's face, and then tells him to go and wash in, the, in, the, in this pool of Siloam. This is weird. Don't you think this is weird? Imagine if this was you. Like, put yourself in the guy's shoes. You're sitting there. You're begging. No one pays attention to you. Everyone probably, like, thinks you're worthless. You're nothing to them. And in the middle of all of that, you get mud on your eye and somebody that tells you, Oh, yeah, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. 
At the very least, Jesus could have given him a promise for healing. Go and wash and you'll be healed. We don't hear any of that. And that's what makes today's story so powerful. It's kind of ridiculous. The blind man has to walk to however far he has to walk with mud on his eyes, go wash in the pool of Siloam in order to receive healing. And despite how ridiculous and kind of crazy this is, he obeys. And later on, we'll see, like, he makes it even sound kind of simple, his obedience. Let's continue with the story. Therefore, the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind said, Is this not he who sat and begged? He said, I am he. Therefore, they said to him, How are your eyes opened? He answered and said, A man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and I received my sight. Jesus told me to go to the pool and wash. So I went, I washed, and I received my sight. <laughs> How simple does he make it sound? Think about Think about the story in context. There's no promise for healing. There's nothing. This guy named Jesus came up to me, put clay on my eyes, told me to go and wash. So I went, I washed, and I received my sight. He makes it sound so easy, so simple. What I love about today's story and what I love about this, um, the, the, the blind man here today is that his obedience was so simple yet kind of ridiculous. Kind of unexpected. He could have thought to himself, this Jesus guy, he has bad intentions. Maybe he's mocking me. Maybe he's making fun of me. Like somebody goes, spits, puts mud on my eyes. He could have thought that. He could have thought, you know what? I've never had sight before. Why is it going to change now? Why is he telling me to go to this pool all the way out of nowhere? If he truly could heal me, why not heal me right here and now? Why do I have to go all the way to this pool? In order for him to, to say, I received my sight, he had, to, he had to also do something. He had to go and wash. In order for him to say, I received my sight, he had to also go and wash. St. John Chrysostom, um, a church father in the early church, uh, says it this way. He says, but observe the mind of the blind man, obedient in everything. He did not say, if it is really the clay or the spit which gives me eyes, what need is there of Salome? Or if there's need of Siloam, what is their need of the clay? You hear what he's saying there? So he's basically saying the guy could have easily said, okay, either the clay is what's going to heal right here, like Jesus is going to use the clay to heal me, so why do I need to go to the pool? Or if you want me to go to the pool, why put the clay to begin with? A reasonable question. But he entertained no such thoughts. He held himself prepared for one thing only, to obey in all things him who gave the command. This is our thought, this is our like our key principle for today is obedience. And we're going to talk about this, this big word, obedience, and what does it mean. Um, but I believe, you know, we've been talking about healing for, for this all this entire time. I believe kind of that last step, that last like gap between us and healing is oftentimes this. It's obedience. The key thought for us today is a life of obedience is the prescription for healing. A life of obedience is the prescription for healing. And I say a life of obedience. I don't mean it's a one-time decision. I'm saying a life of obedience, not that we're going to be 100% obedient all the time. That's impossible. But kind of that's what we're after. That's what we're seeking, is a life of obedience to the master. 
Now, when I say obedience, um, if, if you were to ask me the word obedience, like what, what do I think of when I think of obedience? The connotations are not positive, if I'm being honest. The connotations of obedience are not positive, especially like raised here in America. When we think of obedience, we kind of think of like somebody trying to control us, you know, like, uh, like tyranny or like something like that. And we don't like that. We, we, we like democracy. We like, you know, we, we don't like that. When I think of obedience, I think sometimes if I have to obey someone, it makes me a little nervous or scared because it has to, maybe I have to change the way that I'm doing things. It doesn't make me comfortable. Obedience is the exact opposite of me just doing whatever I want. Me doing whatever I want, I can just, you know, do that on my own. But if I have to obey someone or listen to what somebody's telling me, that makes me a little bit scared. Obedience can oftentimes be that we have to not be in control. It could be that we're asked to do something that is unknown to us. It could be sometimes a decision um, that we make that can be scary. But I don't want us to just leave with that mentality today, especially when it comes to obedience to God, because I think obedience to God is much different than that. I wanted to break it down a little bit. If I wanted to get from where I am today to a life of obedience, how do I get there? So we're going to take it in steps. The first step is for, in order for me to be obedient, I must trust the giver of the command. In order for me to be obedient, I must trust the giver of the command. Obedience is more about trust than it is about anything else. It's more about trust and faith in the giver of the command than it is about rules. It isn't about like, you know, making sure you're like, like military. Like it's, it's more about trust and faith and a relationship than anything else. Anyone can obey someone or obey a, a command for a short period of time. In the short term, we can like force ourselves to be obedient to anything. Like in the short term, I can force myself to go on a diet for, uh, you know, 36 hours. Okay, like I don't know what the, like in the short term, I can, I can do anything in the short term. But in the long term, I have to trust the giver of the command. Think about it this way. I go to a doctor and a doctor tells me in order for you to lose weight, you have to do this, this, and this. Okay. If I go to this doctor and I, I see the, the credentials of the doctor and I, I, and I, I, I see it like they're, they're on his walls and whatever, I'm going to do as the doctor tells me. I trust his command. He, he knows what he's talking about. If I go to a doctor and then I see that the doctor is, you know what, uh, you know, smoking a cigarette here, eating five cheeseburgers there, and you know what, he actually didn't really go to school, like maybe, like he almost finished, but didn't really, like, am I going to trust that guy's advice? No, I'm not going to trust his advice. Think about it in, like, in, the, in, in your jobs, right? All of us maybe at one point started a job, and you know what, we, we started our job, and we, were, we, we met our, like, managers or bosses or whoever, and the boss said, do this, and you say, yes, sir. And the boss said, do that, yes, sir. And then time goes on, time goes on, time goes on. The bosses that you kind of trusted or listened to or took their advice were the ones that you saw were, you know what, they were men of integrity or women of integrity. They were people that did exactly what they said they were going to do. They did their job well. They were kind to people. The ones that kind of took some shortcuts, the ones that you were like, I'm not, are they just trying to make me do all their work? Like there was a lack of trust there. Those are the ones that are much harder to obey in the long run. It's the same with us and God. If we don't have trust in the giver of the command, that he, be, that he has like our best interest at heart, and we could say all the nice things, but if we like go deep in and we don't believe that in our hearts, then it's going to be much harder to obey. In the short term, we can do anything. In the short term, we can do anything. 
But if we don't trust that the ways of God are the best ways to actually live, that his commands are good for me, then it's going to be much harder to obey. And we're all capable of making excuses of why things are not practical, of, of, you know what, Jesus, like, I know you want me to do this over here, but like, this here is much more logical. Like, I know this is the godly way to do things, but trust me, I see everybody else in the world is doing this. It's much more practical. It's much more logical. If I do this, I'll be fine. We can make excuses. But what I love about the blind man today, as St. John Chrysostom tells us, he didn't know such thing. He didn't make any excuses. He didn't ask for a rationale. He didn't ask for an explanation. He just did as he was told. He obeyed the command, trusting in the giver of the command. There's something about being in the presence of Christ, in the person of Christ. And that's why I think we read very little today about their, their interaction in the beginning. But there's something about being in his presence, that knowing that the more I spend time in the presence of Christ, the more my level of trust grows um, as well. There's a beautiful psalm uh, that we read in the book of Hours in the first uh, hour um, that describes the commandments of God. And I want everybody to kind of pay attention here, and, and it's one of my favorite psalms. Um, and it says the following. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statues of the Lord are trustworthy. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, and by them your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. I don't know about you. But there's often times in my life where I do not describe the commands of God and what God is asking me to do that way. Maybe it's just me. Think about it. The adjectives that the psalmist uses here. I didn't write all of them down, but here's some. Refreshing. Trustworthy. Joy. Radiant or bringing light. Sweeter than honey. And once he gets to the sweeter than honey part, people roll their eyes. Okay, everybody rolls their eyes more precious than gold. Our perspective is often so different than that, isn't it? Like our perspective and what God calls us to do is so different than that. Sometimes our perspective, if we're being honest, oh, God wants me to do that? Fine, I'll do it. But God, don't forget. Don't forget that I, I did you a solid one here. Don't forget me later. Like reward, like tick, like, like I do this here, you give me a reward here. And if I don't get that reward, then I'm bitter because God, like God was supposed to give me a reward. All right, fine, God, I'll do it. You can thank me later. You're, you're welcome. Sometimes our attitude is that. We don't realize that the commands of the Lord for us are perfect, are refreshing, are trustworthy. They bring joy, they're radiance. What I love here about this psalm especially is at the very end, the psalmist says, by them, your servant is warned and... In keeping them, there is great reward. He kind of tells us the point of the commands of God in a nutshell. The points in the commands of God are twofold. Protection and reward. Protection and reward. Sometimes I think we question that the commands of God are good for us or not because we question these two areas. Is doing this going to protect me or is doing this going to give me a reward? Now, how would we define protection and reward as our problem? Reward, from an earthly sense, I can guarantee you that a lot of times you follow the commands of God, it won't be a reward from an earthly sense. Sometimes it could be, but not all the time. Protection, from an earthly sense. Well, we read the story of the martyrs and all those guys. Did they have protection or not? 
I think they did. Because what God is telling them is protection and reward in a much greater way. Not just from an earthly sense, but protection and reward for our souls. And there's nothing more important than that to God in God's eyes. If you ever feel like, you know what, I'm not sure I, I trust God in this situation. Like, should I obey here or should I do this? Should I just, you know, obey my own logic or should I obey what God is telling me to do? I think this is a great psalm to come back to. Psalm 19 um, is for me always a good wake-up call when we're, how we're supposed to look at the commands of God. What is my perception in terms of what God is actually calling me to do? So that's the first step, is we must trust the command giver, and we must trust that his commands are actually good for us. And we have to remind ourselves over and over again that his commands aren't something to be ignored, but like the psalmist here, it's almost something to be sought after, something to be desired. So if it's something that I desire, I trust the command giver, but I must also hear the command, right? Common sense, logic. At this point, you all say, duh. Yeah, if I don't hear the command, I'm not going to do it. So what does that mean? I hear the command. There's a common saying in the Gospels that Jesus says, uh, he who has ears to hear, let him hear, right? You guys remember that in the Gospel. And also, there's like a variation of it in the book of Revelation as well. Okay, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. I always thought to myself, it's such a weird expression. Like, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So like everyone, everyone has ears to hear, so let them hear. But in the Bible, the word hear or listen is actually, there's a Hebrew word for it, and it's called Shema. Okay, the Hebrew word for it is called Shema. Um, and that word is not simply um, uh, just listening, like, like listening, like words here, like I just hear something in my ears and that's it. But it actually means that I listen, I pay attention, and I actually obey. I do the action. Okay, so that, that's the meaning of the word. So when Jesus is saying, he who has ears to hear, let him hear, he's talking to everyone. He's saying, hey, listen, pay attention, and act. But really what he's pointing at is a desire to listen in order to act. If we looked at the Pharisees today in the story, I didn't, we didn't read that part together today, but later on in the story, when Jesus tells them, they say, are we blind also? And he says, if you were blind, you would have no sin, Right? But he says, what? You say that you see, and therefore your sin remains. That is the definition of not, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. That is a person unwilling to hear. The point isn't just that I listen to the commands of God, but that I listen, I pay attention with the intent to act, a desire to act. And again, for us, there are times in our lives, in certain situations, where there are certain circumstances where I'm I want, to, I want to know what God's will is in this situation. Then if we're being honest, there's also situations I don't want to know. I don't want to know what God's will is. I want to do what I want to do. I want this to be in my control, and I want to do what I want to do. I must hear the command, or said in another way, I must be willing to hear the command of God. So for us, in our relationship with God, we must want to hear the command of God, and we put ourselves in his presence by reading his word and prayer, and really throughout the day. But it's more about also like our hearts being willing and desiring to hear the commands of God in every area of our life. St. James uh, says it this way in his epistle. He says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks, again, listen to this, the perfect law of liberty or freedom, and continues in it, 
This one will be blessed in what he does. What James is saying is, again, there's a difference between just like listening, just to listen. Like the listening to the Bible isn't about like knowing all the trivia. It's not about knowing all the characters. It's not, no, no, no. Listening to God isn't about just knowledge. It's much more than that. It's about doing the commands of God. And again, St. James talks about the perfect law of liberty, the perfect law of freedom. Our hearts, and we all have to kind of check our hearts here, have to be willing and desiring to hear the commands of God. And we should be willing if we do step one, that we trust the command giver. If I trust the command giver, that all his commands are good for me, that they are sweeter than honey, okay, that they are my protection and my reward, then this part should be easier, that I may desire to hear what God has in store for me, even if in the beginning it forces me to do something I don't want to do. Which brings us to the third step. Third step is to aim to obey immediately with a joyful heart. Aim to obey immediately and with a joyful heart. So I must trust the command giver. I must desire to hear the command and obey immediately and with a joyful heart. When God speaks to us a specific command, sometimes it could be in our, in our daily Bible reading. Sometimes it could be in our experiences, in our day-to-day, and God is speaking something to us. When the Holy Spirit convicts, convicts us of a spe- something specific, delaying it is in essence disobedience. Delaying it is in essence disobedience. And oftentimes, even if the thought is, I'll get to it later and I'll do it later, if we're being honest, that is our way of disobeying and easing our guilt at the same time. That's our way of kind of dealing, just pushing it aside. This isn't about following rules. Obedience. I know the word sounds like it's about following rules. It's not. It's not about following rules. It's about a relationship. Delaying the commands of God, not following the commands of God immediately, only hurts me. Doesn't hurt God. And I know when we were younger, we were were taught, like, you know, don't do this. God's going to be angry with you. Like, don't, don't do that. God... God hates liars. Like, don't do that. Like, don't, don't do this. God, you know God's going to be really upset with you. Like, you're going to hurt God. News alert. You can't hurt God. Okay? God, like, God, God is covered. Okay? You can't hurt God. God is okay. God is self-sustaining. God doesn't need our goodness. And we can't hurt him. Okay? But the commands of God are for us. The commands of God are for us. They're not for him. They're for us. And as a loving father, what he wants is that he gives us the, what's best for us. And that's why his commands are there. It's okay to initially begin obeying the commands of God. And they're a little burdensome. Okay, even if we say, okay, I'm obey immediately, fine, I'll do it. But it's like, it's tough. It's annoying. But I think over time, you know, the, the, the more we do it, our hearts kind of melt away. And we obey the father joyfully. Because again, we trust that he's the command giver. We trust the command giver, and we're willing to hear what he has to say to us. <clears throat> if I'm in the presence of God, and I, I'm in the presence of God, and I'm being honest with God, and I ask God, reveal to me, O oh Lord, what you want me to hear today in my, in my life, how you want me to obey you. I think over time, when we get in that habit, and that des- like desiring that truly in our hearts, and we're willing to obey immediately, the joy comes after that. When we started this series uh, six weeks ago, uh, we said we want to go somewhere for Lent, and we said we want to go towards healing. And we said, like, the, the title of the series is, is Hearing Healing Hurts. I can't take credit for this title, okay? The title of the series is Healing Hurts, okay? 
And what we were talking about this entire time is how is God going to heal our hurts, right? That's what we were talking about. How is God going to heal our hurts? But the reality of it, of it is, is that sometimes the process of healing also hurts. See the title? Pretty creative, right? Definitely not me, okay? But that, that's the thought process, okay? God is willing to heal all, all our hurts. Sometimes the process of healing, it hurts a little bit. It's a little bit tough. And that's why today we're ending on obedience. Because if we're being honest, obedience sometimes, it's a little tough in the beginning. It's a little tough to kind of take that step of faith. But over time, when we seek a life of obedience, we realize it's not about God and some arbitrary rules. It's not about us hurting God or helping God. No, no, no. It's about the commands of God are good for me. The commands of God are what's best for me. Jesus himself tells us this kind of thought process of how we are supposed to think about the commands of God and a relationship with him um, in the Gospel of Matthew when he says the following. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We all love this passage. I don't know about you. I love this passage. And there's really nothing else in the world that I want than that. I want to be with Jesus and I want rest. Anyone else want anything else? This is perfect. This is all what we want. The way Jesus describes his, his, the, the yoke, right, or, or, or the, the commands or how we're going to follow him is that it's easy and my burden is light. It's not always how we feel. That's not always how we feel. If we're being honest, sometimes it's tough, but I think that's the difference between our perception of how we, to, we are, how we are to view obedience from like a rules standpoint versus a relationship standpoint. When we view obedience from the standpoint of, I trust the command giver, I'm desiring to hear the command. I want to live this life of obedience. I trust the command giver. I desire to hear the, the command and I'm going to obey immediately and joyfully. That's when we get to this. That's when we get to the part where we'll find rest for our souls. The more we make obedience to God about rules, the harder it is to experience this. The more we make obedience to God about a relationship, this will come in time. Let's stand up for a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, we thank you so much for your love. Um, Thank you so much, Lord, for always desiring to heal us. We thank you, Lord, for this journey of Lent that you have given to us, that I pray, Lord, that for myself and that for everyone here, that you have worked in their lives, whether we see it or not, Lord, that you are working and that you continue to work always, Lord. We pray, Lord, for healing in in, in every area, Lord, of our lives. We pray that, that this, Lord, message rests in our hearts, that we're not only, um, obedient to you, but we're desiring to be obedient to, do, to you, Lord, because we love you and we know that you love us. We're not doing it just out of mere duty. We're not doing it out of just following rules, but we're doing it, Lord, trusting that you are the one who cares for us and that you're the one who's desiring truly what's best for us, Lord. Teach us, Lord, to obey joyfully um, with, with a joyful heart, Lord, and to desire to hear you, desire, Lord, to, to seek after you and to hear what you are telling us. We pray, Lord, all these things in your name through the intercessions of all your saints. Here says, we pray thankfully, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thanks for joining us here today. You can find us on any social media platform and feel free to share a message that inspires you with family and friends. If there's anything we can do for you, visit our website and let us know how we can help or how we can pray for you. If you aren't receiving our weekly email, please click the Stay Connected button on our website. Have a great day.